What's up? This is Brandon London, and you're listening to the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. You hear that? The Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Let's go, Giants. Welcome back, Giants fans, to the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast in association with Andy's Man Club. It's okay to talk. Uh, this week we are 75% British, 25% Irish, but absolutely always, as still, yeah, 100% Giants. See ya! What? More about that in a minute. Um, it's the second full house in as many weeks as I'm joined by Shane, Kev and producer Craig um, to take our final look back on the 2023 season as we give our final season grades. Uh, plus, later on, we'll be revealing our nominees for the second annual Big Blue UK and Ireland End of Season Awards. So stay tuned for that, lads. How are we doing? Yeah, all good. Obviously, we uh, wasn't part of the uh, playoffs this this weekend, so it was kind, kind of nice just to watch it and not have any, like, kind of hindering if it's going to ruin your weekend or not. Um, but obviously, we're going to Hopefully, put the put the what is it the icing on the cake in regards to the shit season we've just had, and put, then we could put it behind us. Then we get to look towards the draft. Uh, my sources tell me that some people have already been doing mock drafts, so you know we're sort of heading in that direction there as well. Yeah, it's good to be back on with you boys. Uh, it's always a pleasure. I mean, uh, didn't sleep that well last night. I woke up at like five this morning, just checked my little phone notifications. Just happened to see a score, some score from last night. Um, and I must admit, it's sort of a little spring in my step on the way into work this morning. <laughs> I think it, um, it improved all of our uh, our mornings, didn't it, really? I mean, we had some cracking um, kind of interaction uh, on X the other night with the Cowboys game. And then the Eagles kind of just takes, uh, takes the biscuit, really, didn't it, in the terms of... Uh, giving us the perfect weekend almost. I think someone put a tweet out or responded to one of our tweets with, if Colesberg did weekends. <laughs> and uh, outside of the Giants playing, absolutely right. I mean, um, we've had a few comments already. Uh, my dad wants to know if you're doing stand-up again this week, Shane, after your uh, pre- the end of last uh, last uh, episode with the bold predictions. That That's well beyond us now. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> season. we'll, uh, we'll, address, we'll address the... Um, the lovely sling, um, yeah, another shoulder, well, the same shoulder issue from May that's just reared its head a little bit. So just supporting it, which is why I'm stood up. So if you see me swaying, it's because I'm stood up and I hate not being in the chair. Um, Steve is calling this We'll sway along with you, mate, it's fine. Yeah, we're all swaying. <laughs> um, Steve's calling it our very own Victory Monday. And Monty... Our man from He's a Giant podcast. He's gearing up for draft content. Uh, hopefully, we'll have him on at some point during the off season as well. We'll get uh, introducing to our our loyal fans. Um, so yeah, that's it, pretty much. Yeah, no doubt we'll have a we'll have Monty on for sure. That'll be a, a great episode. Looking forward to that. And um, yeah, what a weekend! Um, <laughs> super wild wild card weekend as it was. Um, you know, weather's getting colder. It's a good time to keep your head warm like I am. Um, get yourself a sweet Giants bobble, similar to this one. 
Um, head over to usasports.co.uk. Use our code Big Blue to get yourself ten percent off. And now talking off super wildcard weekend. What a weekend it was! Like I said, we awoke this morning to the delightful news that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had absolutely slaughtered those Philadelphia Eagles, thirty-two uh, nine. What a scoreline that was. I mean, not only did they finish the season losing six of their last seven. I, I can't say this without having a big smile on my face. Can you notice? <laughs> losing six of their last seven games, but they joined the already beaten Dallas Cowboys in choking at the first hurdle in the playoffs, meaning it's now 28 long years since the last time Dallas won it all. And uh, as I said at the start, see ya! <laughs> It was just so good, though. I mean, in the sense that that, that final week seven, uh, week seventeen or week eighteen win against them, like I said in the last uh, previous podcast, sending them into the playoffs like a wounded animal and sort of like on a downward trajectory. Like I kind of like you know had a happy feeling that you know we helped that a little bit. You know, we sort of put a little one of the nails in the coffin, so to speak, on their way to the playoffs. Yeah, man, definitely. I think we we could have quite easily you know sent them into the playoffs on the back of. You know, six straight losses because the game we lost, we game we lost to them. It was a close game, um, and so you know they they were they were definitely cold going into the playoffs. And you know, there's not a time of year you need to be cold going in because you know it didn't end up very it didn't end up, end up too well for them. And we ran a little poll on the X this morning as well, just because a bit of fun, you know. And it seems the vast majority of the uh, people voted. So thanks to those that voted. Um, we're glad to see the back of both teams from the postseason. So there you go. As it says on there, the uh, as Nick Sirianni, sorry, Prick Sirianni said, quite rightly said in the tunnel on his way off the field last night. Um, it was just so sweet to see the back of the two of them. The both, the fact that they both got an absolute spanking as well. Um, Dallas were down by twenty-seven at half time. You know, the, the, the Eagles get a spanking at, at, on the road and Tampa Bay last night. The only way that, that weekend could have got better was if, you know, the Giants were playing and they'd have won. But, you know, we can't have everything. But, yeah, what a great weekend. Super wildcard weekend. Definitely lived up to its uh, up to its name. That, uh, the Detroit Lions got their first playoff win in 30-plus years. So, you know, it's a, it was a good weekend all round. Um, as usual, yeah, like, obviously, we had comments in already. Keep those comments coming in. Get some questions in as well if you want to. Um, we'll drop them in the, you know, drop them on the screen. Um, as and when you know throughout the throughout the episode tonight, but um, yeah, if we don't forward. go on for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, yeah. we have so much to get through. <laughs> we'll we'll try we'll try not to go on for too long. If you do get a bit bored and snooze off, you know you can catch up later on YouTube or on audio, whichever you want, whichever you want to choose, that's fine. But yeah, we'll try not to go on for too long. Um, Going to start off this week with our season grades. Um, now, obviously, this season didn't go the way we were hoping it would, falling well short of expectations. There were some standout performers um, and some standout units as well. Some units performed better than the others. Uh, we thought we'd grade each unit as a whole, and uh, where better to start off than with our quarterbacks? Kev, over to you, mate. Where better to start off with than quarterbacks, you say? <laughs> sort of saying a little bit of tongue-in-cheek. I mean, we're... <laughs> Where do we start with a quarterback? I mean, there was so much preseason hype coming into the into, into the regular season, um, and and it was justified as well. I mean, all the um, uh, beat writers, you know, journalists and stuff, they were watching practices and they were saying how good um, Daniel Jones looked in preseason, how much how coherent the offensive looked. Um, I mean, you know, there was that one quality drive against the Panthers 
that just and then the you know the the, the starting um, offense came off the field and I was like okay we're ready to go into the season now you know we look like we've got a capable offense um but you know realistically when the season kicked off and you know the the hits were flying for real um I mean Daniel Jones was 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 pretty poor to be fair and we don't know whether it was it was like sort of like um play calling or his play or but like up until week five when he injured his neck you know he you could say he wasn't playing particularly well um i mean only really what the second half against the cardinals where he looked outstanding could you say that you know that was a really really good period of play for him um i mean and after his injury you know we had tyro taylor we brought him in as a quality backup for a reason because you know with daniel jones's injury history the, the backup quarterback was always going to get time um, and it was into his second year, you know, so uh, Tyra took over and it was pretty much a bit of a mixed bag with him. Um, you know, and, and, you know, he looked capable and certainly in extending plays. Um, but, you know, his injury history came back to haunt him, you know, especially, you know, against the Jets. Uh, he went out injured um, in that game. And then in stepped in undrafted free agent Tommy DeVito. You know, he came into that game, you know, played like the whole second half. As if he was, you know, he wasn't even allowed to make a pass. I mean, I think he had like two completions for for minus one yards. I mean, how do you play a full half of football and have two completions for minus one yard? I mean, you know, we really were we were perplexed. We were like saying, "What is going on here?" Um, but um, you know, Daniel Jones came back from his injury um, and came in. I think you know, I can't remember what game it was, but he lasted. Uh, one quarter of football, I think it was, before you know he tore his ACL, and Devito was required to come in again and play, and um, you know that the injury ended Daniel Jones's season, unfortunately. You know things are very much up in the air with what what's going to happen there, um, but you know Tommy Devito, it was his show. You know, it was his ready to go. You know, Tommy Cutlass, as everyone was calling him. You know, you know, and after it was a two defeats. You know, he did win three wins, uh, three on the bounce. Um, but, you know, he wasn't, he's not the answer. We know he's not the answer. But, you know, he put a bit of injection of life into the team. But, you know, it did come down to, uh, was a week 16 against the Eagles? He just didn't play that well. And he was ended up being benched in the, uh, at halftime for uh, Tyrod had he come back in again. Um, and, you know, he all, we, like you said uh, previously, you know, it was, it was a bit of a, uh, nearly shocked that then 10 and 4 Eagles Um you know, and we could have won that game. And we played another close game against the Rams, you know, and we finished off the season by, you know, dominating the Eagles. And like we said before, sending them limping into the playoffs, you know, so a real, real mixed bag on the, uh, with the quarterbacks this year. And it, if anything, you know, we have more questions and answers going into this off season. I mean, the three quarterbacks, is, um, the stat lines finished as was as Jones was 108 for uh, of 160 uh, attempts for 909 yards, two touchdowns, six interceptions, 206 rushing yards, one uh, touchdown, four fumbles. And then Tyrod also finished with uh, 116 completions of 180 attempts for uh, 1,341 yards, uh, five touchdowns, three interceptions, 197 rushing yards, uh, no touchdowns, but four fumbles as well. And uh, Tommy DeVito, he was on uh, 108 uh, completions of 160 attempts for 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns, three interceptions, 195 rushing yards, one touchdown and two fumbles. So uh, kind of like, you know, nothing really stands out there for you. So, um, you know, it really does mean that we're going into this offseason again 
not feeling confident about the quarterback position. Um, but we will discuss all these things going forward in the offseason. It's going to be a long offseason for us, a lot of uh, draft build-up and stuff. And, you know, uh, it will be interesting to see sort of like what line Shane and Dave will take. Indeed. So you can see our, see our grades at the bottom of the screen. We'll pop the grades up at the, at the end of, of each segment. Unfortunately, the way that the uh, the screens work, Kev's fighting against uh, the school pictures of uh, each of our quarterbacks there. Um, but there we go, Shane. Gone with a D. Careful, careful, Maurice Jones-Drew, careful. Um, can you elaborate on why yours is the lowest there? Yeah, just listen back to the end of last week's episode. <laughs> Because you were so high on Jones before the before the season, is that what it was? <laughs> yeah. That uh, firstly, I'll just say, look, if the listeners want to give us their gradings as we're going along, like feel free to uh, add them in the comments, and I'm sure um, Craig won't mind just sort of throwing them up around you from an A plus to a F, F, is F minus, I think. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we're using lettering grading, um, but yeah, I went for a D because obviously it's the it's the quarterbacks as a whole that I was kind of reviewing, and obviously. D, D just represents disappointing, and that's probably the best that I could kind of describe for the for the group, to be honest, especially um, Daniel Jones. Obviously, I'll be honest, I lost my patience with Daniel Jones that Seattle game when he threw that uh, interception um, when Darren Waller was wide open at the back and he's tried forcing it. Um, yeah, I mean, Holt is on a, on a D minus there. I, I feel like I've been generous with a D. Um, I mean, obviously... You guys have sort of got, got in the in the C range, but for me, it was just disappointment across the board. You should never have to rely on QB three undrafted free agent Tommy DeVito in his rookie year to kind of have to step in, and and then obviously there was the whole situation about Tyrod being back, not being played, then being played, and even he made mistakes at times. Obviously, the Bills game, uh, the Rams game, um, just a couple of times there. So I, I thought a D was generous. Yeah, it looks like Steve agrees with you then. Clyde to agree with Shane's grade. Yeah, okay, the protection has been way full, but they can't use it. Use it as an excuse for shit plays, which is very, very, very true. true. Shane, Shane, it uh, it rumbles on with you onto the next unit. If you want to introduce those, yeah. So up next is um, weapons. We use that term very loosely. Um, despite missing three games near the beginning of the season, Saquon was once again the Giants' lead back. He finished with 862 yards and six touchdowns on 247 attempts, averaging 3.9 yards per carry. The next closest running back was Matt Breeder, who was 811 yards behind him on 151. Um, and just to kind of drive home here before what Barkley was, um, the Giants' running backs managed 35.7 yards per game combined when Barkley was out. His total per game when he was playing was 68.7 yards per game. Now, I know in the past people have spoken about, um, you know, we should let Saquon walk and we should go running back by committee. So I just pulled up some stats on this. And if we'd done it this season, just a little bit of an idea, and I appreciate the Russian attempts are much less in comparison to what Saquon got. But Brader, Brightwell and, and Gray combined for a total... 218 yards this season on the grain, which works out in an average of 2.6 yards per carry. So, you know, I'm, I'm not on board the running back by committee. Yeah, you can get undrafted free agent gems, late round gems like Isaiah Pacheco, 
But we've tried it with Gary Brightwell. We've tried it with Eric Gray. We keep missing. There's other positions that we need to hit on. Why Why try to go the running back by committee route? Um, in terms of the passing game, Darius Slayton led the way with 50 receptions on 76 targets. Uh, totaled 769 yards, four touchdowns. Next behind him. Kind of a surprise for me this was, was uh, tight end Darren Waller, 52 receptions on 72 targets for 552 yards for a guy that kind of missed a lot of time and didn't really seem involved. So he put up a lot more yardage than what I thought he would have done. Um, he did only get the one touchdown, though. Obviously, he was brought in as that red zone target. Um, and then kind of surprise package, one Dale Robinson. I've mentioned on the past here, I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of the pick when we picked him. Um, but, you know, he, he absolutely proved me wrong this year and he was a guy that kind of, you got to be excited when the ball got in his hands. You know, he, his yak was tremendous whenever he kind of got the ball. And, um, you know, he's someone who proved me wrong this year without a doubt. Um, he had 76 targets and he led the team uh, in both targets and receptions as he had 60. He finished on 525 yards and one touchdown. Rookie Jalen Hyatt. 373 yards, but no touchdowns. And then finally, Isaiah Hodgins. He did only have 230 yards, but he also had three receiving touchdowns, which was the second most behind Slayton and Barkley. Um, so if we get the grades up now, we can see that Dan's gone for a C plus. Kev's gone for a B minus, whilst I've gone for a C, and Craig has also gone for a C plus. So obviously, Craig, you've gone with a C plus along with Dan. What made you go for a C plus there? I thought I was being harsh in a way, but if you look at the grades, I think we've all kind of sat around a very similar similar level there. Um, C plus for the weapons, I guess they weren't as productive as we wanted them to be. We struggled a few times with drops. Maybe it's harsh because of the quarterback position um, and, and how bad that was you know, dealing with some teams only dealt with one quarterback this year. We dealt with three. Um, and one of those, like we said, didn't throw for half a game um, to the point where we ended up mixing in Wildcats. Um, we'll probably get on to the offensive coordinator position a bit later. So I won't kind of touch on that too much, but I don't think he really helped the cause. I think the biggest problem is, is that Darren Waller being that expensive raft you know hype man at the beginning of the season where nobody could seem to to guard him ended up being probably the one of the biggest disappointments of the season potentially um and then just the the regression from some of the guys who really made a difference last year you know we touched on Isaiah Hodgins he didn't have as many yards wasn't used as much um me and Shane were talking before we came on the air about Daniel Bellinger and how he regressed this year as um, a pass catcher until he started to get involved more towards the second half of the season. So I think I think it does go hand in hand with the quarterback play. So maybe that kind of skews the, the mind slightly. But because none of them have gone over a 1,000 yards and we haven't had a 1,000 yard receiver since Odell left, it's very difficult to give them anything above that if that makes sense. So yeah, it makes sense. Look, doesn't look like we've had got any grades in the uh, chat. Uh, James has said with Waller playing all season injured, seems to rush back from first injury quick. Very, very good point. Um, the, I suppose we should have really graded the medical team and how we managed injuries because um, you might have had use across the board because <laughs> uh, it hasn't been great for a few years, has it? So. Oh. 
Ungradable, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think the. I just want to add as well, obviously, because I graded you the same. As, I graded the same as you, sorry. Um, yeah, there was a few that stood out, but there was there was too many that either were meh or did regress. And I think, yeah, C-plus was sort of the, the ceiling, really. Um, obviously, Barkley had a good season. Slayton had a good season. Um, you know, I was impressed by Jalen Hyatt when he, you know, when he, we showed his sort of glimpses. Um, and Wondell Robinson as well. He had a he had a really, really positive season and obviously a fully healthy season as well at that. So it was good to see him um, showing his full potential. And so, yeah, that's why I went for C-plus as well. Cool. So, going to bring up a comment here. O-line then, Craig. What? No O-line for Shane Holty. No, no, it's me doing O-line. I've taken over. I'll take the O-line guru. That's my one, Shane. Um, I'll take the O-line guru yeah, um, one. <laughs> um, mantle for the, uh, the moment. So, um it's time for what I would take a guess at being the worst grades uh, from all of us for this evening as we talk about the Giants' offensive line. So the offensive line was historically bad. And although you can't attribute all of them to the O-line, um, the 85 sacks the Giants gave up this season is the second most in NFL history. Um, injuries across the line decimated any consistency that we were going to get. And it got to the point that we ended up having to pick up the phone, dial up good old Mr. Pugh, who fresh fresh off an interview with the Big Blue UK and Ireland lads. And he was literally brought up straight off the couch. Um, copyright to Mr. Pugh. Don't want to get into any uh, disputes with him, as others on Twitter seem to be getting into, <laughs> where uh, I think they used just off the couch for one of the playoff games and he was not happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've got we've got a few kind of positional rankings here. So out of qualifying players, which are 20% of the overall snaps, the Giants offensive linemen ranked the following on PFF grade finished. John Michael Smith was 40th out of 40 centres, which I think is harsh, but he's a rookie and we all know about Bobby Johnson by now. Uh, Justin Pugh, 84th of 88. Ben Bredesen, 82nd of 88. Evan Neal, 88th of 89 qualifying tackles. Uh, Tyree Phillips, 74th of 89. And Andrew Thomas was 18th of 89. And we know that Thomas obviously played through injury this year and wasn't helped by the fact that the rest of the line was just porous. So we can give him a pass. The grades are brutal. Um We'll go. I tell you what. We'll go with Dan, seeing as you haven't haven't had your piece as of yet. So Dan, you've gone with an F, which is pretty brutal. So um, why? Um, I want to know who is eighty uh, ninth of eighty nine in terms of tackles, because who's worse than ever Neil this year? I mean, Peter. Exactly. There Peter's we go. Asked it. Who's uh, Holt, Holtie's asked Who's it. worse than ever, Neil? Come on. Um, I mean, some, some. I mean, there's probably very few that would say it's overly harsh, but as a unit, as a whole, it was trash. Um, 
We couldn't protect the quarterback. We couldn't get the run game going. So how the hell are we meant to win the games um, when we can't get it right in the trenches? Yes, there were some you know, standout performers, Andrew Thomas being one of them, as usual, uh, playing through injury. And he still ranks, was it 18th of 89 tackles? So fair play to him. But mm. yeah, obviously a lot of it or part of it, or however much you want to think of it, was down to coaching, which we've already addressed. Um but how many times do we go on about the damn offensive line this season um, without it getting to the point where it just is like a, a broken record? We're talking, I mean, we pretty much talked about it every week. Um, and just the fact that, you know, I said 85 sacks, second most in, in league history. Yeah, you can't give all of them credit of all of them to the O line, but the vast majority of them were. So just an awful show and all round. And obviously that impacted hugely on the rest of the offense um, in terms of quarterback playing in terms of um you know the weapons as well so just as a good enough f stands for fail and the o-line definitely failed in 2023 so we'll go a bit off script here but um kev's grade is mighty generous come on kev explain explain the d i thought d was the lowest grade we could give to be honest (laughs) 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 being brilliantly honest but uh so so, Kevs is, is a D, yeah. but it's an F. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, pretty much is. To be fair, I mean, like, I, I think it's a little bit generous in the sense that um, we have harped on about it with the Bobby Johnson situation. I just think the coaching there was absolutely atrocious and just put the boys on a massive back foot as it was. And like going back to like the um, migraines for the quarterbacks and the um, the weapons was a little bit generous as well. Basically, for the reason of the offensive line, I don't believe the quarterbacks were were able to um, to be able to sit out there and confidently stand in the pocket and deliver the balls they need to deliver. And also the weapons, um, I believe that you know when called upon, when the opportunity was there, I do think they took it when it was there. I mean, Darren Waller was unlucky with injury, but we knew the injury situation with him. But the younger players like Robinson and Hyatt and even Staten. When uh, called upon, um, I do believe that they sort of played well. And you would, you would never say that they play, had a bad game. They just didn't have opportunities. And the opportunities, in my opinion, came from the O-line. Sorry, lack of opportunities came from the O-line not being able to do their job properly. Um, so, uh, yes, it is a little bit of a generous grade, but it's by far the worst grade that, um, that I've given to, to any of the positions. Here we go. And uh, last one, obviously, yeah, James Gardner has put uh, this O-line is what puts me off panics. Lefty means a Thomas isn't protecting the blind side. It's a very good point, that. Um, you know, I just want to say, you know, I've agreed with the, uh, you know, I've graded in the same as the, uh, the O-line guru, Shane. So, you know, we must be right. <laughs> <laughs> That's my one. There we go. Um, all right. What we used to that that's it. You're done there. You've you, everyone's used one. That's it. Can you, that's yeah. it. That's our one. <laughs> and we're done. All right. Let's talk defense then, because the offense is trash, right? Um, let's be honest. The defense across the season was a lot more positive. Um, you know, Mr. Pro Bowl, Mr. NFL, NFLPA first team, All Pro, Mr. AP second team, All Pro. We'll address that one a bit later as well because second team, really. Um, but yeah, Dexter Lawrence, um, just uh, you know, standout um, interior defensive lineman, uh, led the league with um, a 93.0 PFF grade, 
in all interior defensive linemen, 65 total pressures, six sacks, 14 quarterback hits, 37 tackles. What more can you want from your, your main guy in the middle? You know, he's coming up more often than not against a double team and he's he's beating them. Um, just an unbelievable player. Uh, second year in a row, he's obviously been voted to the Pro Bowl, been voted as an All-Pro. Um, we've, we don't really have any more superlative to say about him apart from the fact he's unbelievably good and there's, there's the reason we signed him up last year. The rest of the interior line didn't rank as highly, but Aishon Robinson filled in um, quite well and he was quite a dominant force um, when obviously Leo Williams went off to Seattle. Um, he racked up 49 tackles, which was the fourth most among interior defenders as well. So hats off to Aishon. Edge was a little bit more of a concern, a little bit more of a mixed bag. Uh, despite some impressive numbers, it didn't quite feel like it was consistent enough. Um, obviously, with a new DC coming in, which we'll talk about later, I'd like DC, new DC to potentially address that edge edge position um, and you know do something about it because it wasn't good enough. Despite his 11, 11 and a half sacks being the only time uh, Wink Martindale, uh, one of his defenders, managed to get double-digit sacks, Thibodeau had a, a good season above average, um, but the rest of the edge players didn't really, com- you know, didn't really um, give much to the cause. Uh, he had four quarterback hits, ranked in the seventies, and his twenty-six hurries in the fifties as well. So in terms of um, grading, other than Kayvon, Aziz Ojolari missed time again with his, you know, constant injury issues, and he, he almost seems as injury prone as uh, as Dan Jones or Tyra Taylor. Um, almost like it seems like he made a glass. Um, he ended with 25 pressures, three sacks and five quarterback hits. Jihad Ward didn't register a sack in the first 10 games, but ended on 20 pressures and six of them sacks over those last uh, seven or eight games. Um, Kev, let's talk about grades. You went for an A. How much of that is just uh, Dex or is it a combined score? Yeah, no, it, it, a lot of it is Dex. A lot of it is Tibbs. I think like, um, just quickly on Thibodeau, I, mean, I think I mentioned in the last podcast, I think, you know, for him to get that many sacks, um, you know, uh, is, is is with the with the often outside linebacker coaching, I think was phenomenal. And like, I'd love to see him with a, like a really good coach and a defensive coordinator going next year. You know, I, I think the sky's the limit for him. I'd love to see what he can actually do um, in, in, in a more traditional, say, um uh, defense, not that I say that I didn't like Wink's defense at all. I loved it, absolutely loved it. It was exciting, it was fun, you know, it got pressure. Um, but I, I think he could excel under a different uh, DC. Um, and but sexy Dexy, I mean, what, what, what more can you say? I mean, he he has been, you know, he's an all pro player. He came into the league, we picked him in the first round, in the middle of the first round. He's the type of player that you know we kind of should be getting every, every like that's, that's what you want with a first round pick. You want someone to come in and not necessarily set the world alight straight away, but develop into a top, top player. And that's exactly what he's done. And you make a great point as well with um, Robinson. I thought, you know, the, the, the play didn't really drop off when Williams got, went. And for Williams to go and us to get a second round pick, a, a decent second round pick as well for him, and Robinson to come in and play as well as he did. And he's still young-ish. I think he's only like 27 years of age, 28, something like that. He's a player I'd like to see brought back on quite a reasonable deal. Um one thing that did let it down a wee bit for me was 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 Aziz Ojolari. You know, not having that um, uh, uh, pass Russian um, ability on the other side to Thibodeau. Like Aziz Ojolari, I mean, the guy's been missing. I mean, not just with the injuries, but you know, with with, with his play on the field. You know, flashes. I mean, like the odd flash every now and again to say, "Oh, we saw that last year. We saw that two years ago." 
like but we're seeing it in flashes now with no consistency and and and, and that was frustrating but i think like you know we've got a core there of, uh, of 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 a line that can get pressure and can play well um and if we add to it this off season i think that's a really really good front yeah definitely um i mean like i said like i said at the start the the defense definitely uh, outplayed the offense in terms of overall sort of grading and scoring this season um you know and it's it's kind of a it's kind of a shame to see um such a Competent defensive coordinator leave. Um, Kev, linebackers, how do they perform? Oh, the old linebackers. <clears throat> she don't like this now because you know he's a true linebacker at heart. Like he loves that position. But this unit, man, I mean, this unit thrived this year. You know, despite a few teething issues at the beginning, you know, for Bobby O'Carrigate coming in, you know, learning a new defense, a brand new team. Um, you know, enough game here or there. Um, but pretty much him and McFadden. Uh, got together and, and were an absolute dynamic pair, I think, and they balled out for most of the season. I mean, Bobby Okereke, you know, he can be one of the best free agency agent signings like we've seen in recent memory. You know, you have to go back to what, you know, DC that we probably would like to have, Antonio Pierce, to think of a really good sort of traditional inside uh, linebacker. I mean, Blake Martinez was good uh, and he's put up lots of stats, but he wasn't as dynamic as someone like Bobby Okereke. Um, you know, and it's just, he played every single snap, him and Long McKinney. Like, and how rare is that now? You know, to get banged up is this type of game, the extra game as well, 17 game season. And for him to go out there and, and, and be right in the heart of that defense and be able to play every single snap, I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. Like, you know, and um, was it a stat line this year? Um, you know, Someone might have called it. I'm just saying in the predictions, but you know, you know, he came in with 105 tackles, 20 hurries, three sacks, four, four, four force fumbles, two interceptions, and five pass breakups. I mean, that's just exactly what you want for your middle linebacker. And it's an absolute travesty, travesty that he wasn't sort of more respected to get like a Pro Bowl. He should have made that Pro Bowl. I know there's other good inside linebackers out there, but Bobby Akerke came in as a free agent in his first season with the New York Giants, and absolutely balled out. And I'm absolutely gutted for him, to be fair. But, like, you know, I mentioned McFadden as well. You know, he had, a, like I said, a little bit up-and-down season, you know, to begin with, sorry. You know, 85 PFF rating, of, um, but for four games, he was under 50 as well. You know, through his... Um, I think he really excelled in the player. We had other players ahead of him coming into the season, and we thought, oh, we need another linebacker beside Bobby O'Kerrike. But McFadden stepped up, and I thought, you know, he made a massive improvement from first year to second year. And that's exactly, again, what we're talking about. When you draft players, right, they're not all going to hit in year one, but you want to see that progression. And I think McFadden was, you know, it was a real, uh, really good foil next to Bobby O'Kerrike. You know, he had 71 tackles, two sacks, four quarterback hits, three fumble recoveries, and an interception. I mean, that's just solid, solid play from a second-year player. And I'm excited to see what these two can do uh, going forward as well. Um, I just want to give a special shout-out as well to Isaiah Simmons. You know, he was like a Swiss Army knife in that defense. You know, he recorded eight pressures, one sack, 30 tackles, uh, one interception. That was that 54-yard pick six off Sam Hoyle in week 11. Um, all right, he, you know, he, wasn't, he hasn't turned into the player that people thought they were getting, or the Cardinals thought they were getting coming out of Clemson. Um, but I, I just think he, you know, he has a bit about him, and he's another player that I would like to sort of bring back and approve a deal, 
actually sign him to like maybe a one year prove a deal and get him back in and just sort of like um see what the new DC can um can can get out of him. But um yeah, I mean like absolutely solid. You know, we've let go of two linebackers in Coughlin and uh Brown, who are more special teams guys. We've signed a few future contractors, future contracts with uh rookies from last year. Um so so it might not be the deepest um position group. But um, I think the two starters in McFadden and Okereke really, really stick it up there. And you can see with those grades um, how, um, how what we think about it. I mean, Shane, you've gone for an A- minus there. Uh, what, what was your opinion on the old linebacker? I know you love the old linebackers. Yeah, I think for me, it's kind of just... We're not going enough linebackers, to be honest with you. I feel like every year we don't seem to draft many linebackers. I know we had that one year where we drafted uh, Michael McFadden and Darian Beavers, but whenever it, it, it seems to be a position for some reason that the Giants neglect. And the reason I went for the A minus was because Michael McFadden wasn't that great. Like he, he he performed better than what we expected, and I think that's why everyone was quite impressed with him. But like he had twenty five missed tackles and lowered. Now, between them, Bobby and Simmons had less than 25 combined. So one of McFadden's big issues was um, was like wrapping up. And to be honest with you, I think we're quite lucky that we didn't lose one of those to injury. We, we, we've mentioned about injuries and that. But if we'd have lost one of them, we really would have been sort of down in terms of um, in terms of depth at the linebacker position. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at Isaiah Simmons' stats now, and like he was used more in coverage, which I think is a bit of a shame. And he had 91 snaps as a pass rusher. I'd like to have seen him get a little bit more. So kind of Bobby Akerak absolutely bumped it up. Kind of like he, if it was just for Bobby, it'd be an A plus. Let, let's let's be honest with you. It was absolutely fantastic, and that's what you want to see from your linebacker. But then when you grade in the whole group in total, and McFadden's missed tackles, and you know he, he, he shone at times. He did look really good at times, but he also did look pretty poor at times as well. I think it's still a position that needs addressing, and that's why I went for an A minus. I think. Uh... I think you're rolling on as well, aren't you, Shane? With the backfield. Well, just roll it back to the backfield. Yeah, so um, the backfield, it consisted of another defensive player to play all 1,128 snaps. Uh, a player who's created a bit of chatter in our group chat, a potential soon-to-be free agent, Xavier McKinney, uh, joined Bobby Akeriki to share that honour. Off the field, there was the comments about Wink, but on the field, McKinney shone after a shaky start to the season, in my personal opinion. I think he looked kind of a little bit poor, a little bit distracted first sort of two or three weeks through the season. But to be fair, the whole defence did, you know, they didn't they didn't start that great, to be honest. Um, but, you know, he did record, record a career-high 87.8 PFF grade, as well as a career-high 94 tackles. He had four pressures, three pass breakups, three interceptions, and allowed zero touchdowns on 53 targets. His highest grade per PFF came in week 18 against the Eagles, where he posted a 95.3. He did have seven missed tackles on the season. However, like I mentioned, just three of those came in the first three weeks of the season. Um, and, you know, let's be honest, on here, we did sort of ask questions about the D early on in the season with the way that they were struggling. Uh, just for some kind of comparison, he only had four missed tackles the whole of last season. So he did bump up a little bit. But when you have three through the first three weeks, then he had four through the remaining um, 14 games, I think it would have been. Um, the shows that, you know, there, 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 was, there was some improvement as he kind of went on. I'm not saying it was like 
bad to start with, but there was obviously some sort of distraction. I don't know if it was the contract talk or the lack of contract talks that Matt might have kind of had his, his back up against the wall to start the season. Um, his partner in crime at safety was Jason Pinnock. Uh, he had a good year as well with two sacks, two quarterback hits, 61 tackles, two pass breakups and two interceptions. Um, his season highlight is always going to be remembered though for the incredible franchise record setting 102 yard pick six against the Dolphins. Pinnock's host grade of the year uh, per PFF was against the Raiders, where he graded out at an 83.5. And then obviously we'll come on to the quarterbacks. We have the duo of Adoree Jackson and a rookie, Tay Banks. Again, Adoree Jackson is a player who's going to be a free agent in this offseason. Be interesting to see what happens there. Um, Banks had the normal struggles. Rookies tend to go through at the cornerback this uh, cornerback position but overall held up well considering he lined up opposite the opposing team's number one receiver for the majority of every game and he did come up against some really good wide receivers Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, um, Torrey Kill just a name three of them. Um, he was tied for the team with the team for uh, 11 pass breakups he had two interceptions of 56 tackles they also was doing a little bit of research into these PFF grades. Funnily enough, Banks' highest PFF grade of the season came against Miami, where he graded out at 73.2 on 47 snaps. Then you might be thinking, well, why is that funny then? Well, in the same game, Adoree posted his worst PFF grade of the season with a 32.0. He had 43 snaps, so it's not even a case of, oh, yeah, maybe he only had 10 or 15 snaps. You know, they were four snaps apart from each other. Um, Jackson statistically played his worst season as a pro, um, which is only convened by the fact he had the highest cap hit of any cornerback in the league. He gave up a team height, 753 yards, 13.9 yards per reception, with 382 of them being after the catch. He did also give up two touchdowns and missed 11 tackles, but he did have two interceptions, including a pick six against the Eagles. And if we just kind of have a quick look at the ratings, again, if any listeners want to jump in with theirs as well, Dan went with an A, Kevin A minus, me and Craig both went with a B plus. Um, Craig, let's see if your reasoning is kind of the same as mine. For the B plus, um, Adori hits that grade so big. That's so big. But also, if you think about it, you know, we haven't really spoken about that that slot kind of corner position where Flop um, and Holmes have both played. Um, that hasn't really worked out again. Um, Flop kind of... Flop reminds me a lot of kind of Aziz Ojolari in the fact that he flashes and that's it. Like, it's most of the time, it's pretty mediocre play, but he flashes Um He's put on a little bit of bulk. Uh, I do think that there was a slight improvement from what we saw last season from Cordell Flop, but I just don't feel like it's enough. And when you're being benched at time for big play Darnay, it, it, it's not ideal. Um, outside of Jackson, I think we need to give a shout out to um, someone who I'm nicknaming Mr. Special Teams, Nick McLeod who had another cracking season on special teams, but every time he came in to the backfield, I thought he was just, he was really, really good. Tay Banks had those rookie struggles. He was going to have those. Um, I think he struggled against um, C.D. Lamb, both the times that we played the Cowboys, uh, who didn't struggle against the Cowboys when we played them two times this year. Uh, you've already gone through the McKinney thing. Pinnock obviously had a good season, but he maybe wasn't quite as good as Julian Love was last year for us. 
um, close enough, close enough for us to be confident about Pinnock going forward, but not quite on the J Love level that we maybe maybe wanted. So that's kind of where I'm sat with our backfield. Um, I do worry about it coming into the new season, though. Um, personally, I don't want a Dory Jackson anywhere near the team. I think that's kind of run its course, especially at the kind of money that we were paying him. I mean, if you look at how cost-effective it was, the backfield, you could probably take that down to a C because what we paid a Dory for the what we got out of him was piss poor, to be honest. Um, my my biggest worry is the fact that we do need to address that in free agency. We've we've said this so many times. We cannot have two or have a rookie and a sophomore player as our two starting quarterbacks. We need somebody with a bit of experience back there. Yes, sir. Uh, Craig, special teams. On to the special teams. Um, <laughs> what a mixed bag, eh? <laughs> Good, great, bad, injury ridden. Um, couldn't. I mean, we're not, we haven't really spoken, or we're not going to speak about the the rest of it outside of the specialists, so punter and kicker. But um, you know, Casey Kreiter had a good year. He was the second highest graded giant on special teams. Donna Holmes had a good year. Um, once we decided to get uh, Gunnar Oshevsky in, um, our punt game kind of turned up for the books in the terms of punt returning. Um, but we're kind of talking. We're, we're going to talk about the specialists here. So. Kick a carousel, I think, is the way that we can kick this off. Um, with the normally automatic Graham Gano missing six field goals before his season was cut short to injury, um, the Giants then turned to a replacement, Randy Bullock, who played five games, made five of six before he went to IR. Cade York was injured before he even saw the field, which is an impressive stat in itself. And then we had the veteran Mason Crosby for three games. He missed two of his seven field goals and he also missed an extra point. Punting-wise, a bit more consistent from the Scottish Hammer. Um, Jamie Gillen, outside of a couple of injuries, course Shanks, really had a, a, a great season, probably a deserved Pro Bowl season that he, uh, that he didn't get. Um, I know he also got votes in the All-Pro, so you know it, it wasn't just us who, who feel like he had an above- average season than what we were expecting of him. More consistent, 41 punts downed inside the 20. Um, and due to the sort of much improved hang time, which is something he was working on in the off season, he only had uh, 6.9 yards per return, which I'd like to know what our stats have been for the last, last few years, because we've been absolutely atrocious on punt coverage and, and having the punters that we've had. And Jamie, you know, he'll, he'll admit it, he struggled last year. So, much, much better. Um, Grade-wise, we kind of all have a similar feel. Um, Dan, B rating for the specialist despite the injuries, what does that come down to? Um, I mean, yeah, obviously injuries uh, took a, took their toll. Um, but I think when Gano was healthy, if he was healthy at all throughout the season... He he still performs well. I think Randy Bullock when he came in, obviously was it missed one out of his six attempts. Um, so he 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 did well as well. Um, Cage York, the fact that he didn't even take the field, you can't even really take him into consideration. Uh, Mason Crosby, 
he showed his age. He showed his rust. Um, he's another one that came straight off the couch, I suppose, and hasn't played for a, a little while. And it's one of those kickers, one of those positions that it's all about sort of it's repetition, it's confidence, it's it, you know doing it day in day out, week in week out. And and obviously because he hadn't played for a while, he's you know he doesn't have that sort of confidence there, I suppose. And yeah, the Scottish Hammer, he had a fantastic season. Is is by far his best season as a pro. Um, I thought he you know, deserved the uh, Pro Bowl votes. Well, the, the amount of Pro Bowl votes he got and his, he, the um, all Pro votes he got as well. Um, and yeah, I think overall, barring injuries, I, I didn't think it was too bad from the specialists. And obviously talking about special teams as a whole, um, you know, comparing it to two seasons ago in 2021 where we were four and 13 i think we had a, a a better season this year in terms of special teams players as a whole isaiah simmons did well on special teams mcleod did well on special teams like you said and big play darnay as well so they've all performed well and casey Carter had his um best P- best pff grading of his, career, of his career with 81.7 so i think overall in general special teams didn't do too badly um and then don't forget about gunner as well that ninety-four yard punt return, spot on. So yeah, that's why I went with a with a B for the specialists. So as you can see, um, Steve Steve said there uh, would have been lower. The C would have been lower if it not been for Ochevsky, uh badly let down by the kickers on the whole this season. Though Gano did play with an injury. I'm pretty sure he got injured on that very first kick uh, against the Cowboys. That feels yeah. like. It was a million years ago, and I'd love to erase that evening from my memory. It does seem like a long time ago in in uh, the casino in Birmingham, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seems like a long time ago. Um, all right, offensive coordinator then. Um, let's go there, shall we? Um, Mike Kafka. Well, love him or hate him, he's kind of like Marmite, really, isn't he? You know, can. He can also point to injuries as to why his offense never really clicked for large portions of the season. But also, his play calling at times was pretty uninspiring. You know, for no better use of the term, it was dog shit at times, wasn't it? Really, um, he does deserve some credit, as you know, as does Dable for finding a way to not only win with Tommy DeVito but still be frisky, competitive, still look like a okay-ish offence and obviously as the sort of season came to a close you know the the offensive side of things did improve um and you know we saw a a more definitely a a more competitive offence over the last sort of few weeks of the season so you know it it wasn't a horrendous season in terms of offensive play as a whole but it wasn't particularly great um you know at times offensively we were 2023 was dire um Let's have a look at the grades then for the OC, uh, Mr. Kafka. Uh, I've gone with a D, whether you think that's overly critical or not. Meh. You ever, I think everyone that regularly listens to this program knows my thoughts on Mike Kafka. Um, Kev's gone for a B minus, uh, C, and Shane and Craig have both gone for a C. So, Kev, you've got the highest grade there with a B minus. Is it due to DeVito's development or is there something else? I'd almost like to put an incomplete grade for this, to be honest, because like, I think like in, at times um, some of the play calling was fantastic, but 
again, I think like um, his hands were a little bit tight behind his back with the offensive line play, but also with like you know the way um, Dable was you know the, has come to light. We won't get into too much. It's not really the place for to getting into some of the reports that have come out, but it kind of sounds like his he was sort of like take the play calling was taken off him at times and given back to him at times. And I just feel that like um, the second half of the season with um, the bad offensive line play and then the, 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 the um, revolving door of quarterbacks coming in and out, in and out, in and out. Like we were competitive in this late second half of the season. Do you know what I mean? We, we really like, we were putting, we put some points on the board um, and, and, and it was just, um, I just felt that if things had have just gone our way a little bit at the beginning of the season, it could have been a little bit different on offense. I mean, the offense was so sluggish to begin with, and it just didn't get going. But I just, I saw, I saw, I saw glimpses, and it's more of a, it's more of a hopeful grade of what could it be going forward than an actual sort of like you know representation of what it actually was for the for the whole season. But that just that second half of the the, the, the year, I just thought. Do you know what? There's some good plays here. There's some like imagination. You know, you're getting the hand, the ball in what like Wondell Robinson's hands. Um, yeah, and I just, you know, I, I, I just felt, you know, I saw something there that, you know, was promising going forward. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think, and I said so we all know my thoughts on Mike Kafka, so I won't <laughs> go there again. But you know, if it wasn't for the I mean, fact is, that we is, had a he, better interest. He's drawing head coaching sort of like interviews and stuff. So, so the yeah. league must sort of like see something in him as well. Yeah, get on the sidelines. Um, defensive coordinator then, Kev. Well, wink, 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 wink. I mean, you know, so there's no secret, you know, there's, you know, all the rumblings have gone on about what happened, you know, at the end of the season, you know, with him sort of like uh, uh, being fired or quitting or resigning and, Everything that's gone on, I mean, we won't get in. Like I said, this isn't really the, this particular part of the podcast isn't really for sort of all that drama and, and, and you know that, that that's gone on since. But um, I mean, Wink's offense was like I said before, earlier on, like it was exciting. It was like you know he loved to blitz, he loved getting pressure. You know, um, it, you, you never knew what was coming. And uh, offensive line players have come out and said, and offensive coordinators have said. It's so difficult going against that, and like they find a real, a real challenge, a real challenge to sort of like you never know what he was going to throw at you from week to week. I mean, they did um, they joint led the league in takeaways with thirty one, but they did also finish like pretty much ha uh, bottom half of the league in every other category. Um, I mean, the, the, this year, right? You know, we were competitive because in a lot of games because of the defense. When the offense wasn't playing well the defense kind of kept us in games and kept the score down and if the offense had just clicked a little bit more at the beginning of the season like i said you know i think you know we we, we could have ended up with a couple of more wins um so so i am sad to see him go i like his defense you know it was like i said it was exciting to watch um but um also you can't just sort of for how exciting it was it the production side of it didn't really tally up with that um, so I think, you know, we'll be interested to see what type of uh, defensive coordinator we do bring in uh, going into next season. So the grades, I suppose. 
Yes, sorry. Agreed. Uh, I, t- I tell you what, we, sorry, we were talking in the background. We will drop this now just because it, it makes sense and it might be the last time we use it for a while. So. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you to Shane for pointing this out. He's obviously on the uh, on the Twitter. I have um, no idea what's going on, lads. I'm so excited. <laughs> so the Giants have hired Aaron Wellman as executive director of player performance. That is one hire, and they've also announced Joel Thomas as running back coach. Please bear with me while I go down to my notes on Joel Thomas that were coming up later because we interviewed him. Uh, he was the Saints uh, running back coach uh, and has been for quite a while. Uh, he's been there for the whole time that Alvin Kamara has been there. He was also there with Mark Ingram. Uh, comes with good um, pedigree, I, I guess you would say, in, in the terms of, of what he's been able to achieve at the Saints there. Um, obviously, the Saints didn't have a great season. They've just fired their offensive coordinator, uh, Carmichael, today. Um, but I'm qu- quietly confident um, and quite happy with 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 that. Um, the Giants did also have an interview with uh, the Titans' Tony Dews lined up. I don't know if that was something that has happened today and this has come off the back of that. Um, Dews had coached the tight ends in 2023 for the Titans, but with running back coach, obviously, with Derek Henry, but we've decided not to go that way. And we have gone for Joel Thomas. So welcome to the Giants, Joel Thomas and Aaron Wellman. Uh, that is breaking news. <laughs> And here are the grades. <laughs> um, obviously, Shane has kind of gone for one of the lower grades along with myself. Um, does any of the information that's come out about Wink change your grade, Shane? Does it still sit at a B plus? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I, the stuff that's kind of come out is, <clears throat> excuse me, off the field stuff. And I'd like to think that we've all graded people, players, departments, positional groups for their performance on the field, not anything that's happened off the field. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, yeah, you know, and it, the reason it went for a, a B, I'm gutted we've lost Wink. I, I do think Wink's going to be a massive miss. And if I had to pick, I'd rather have lost Kafka than Wink. Um, but, you know, again, the Wink stuff kind of, for me, it's just a B plus just because the start of the season, it, it, like I mentioned earlier, I'm. It, we had our struggles through the first sort of three or four weeks. We still let up massive yards. Don't forget, we let up over 600 yards to the Cowboys. We let up big yardage to to the Dolphins. Um, so, you know, I mean, maybe I'm being a little bit critical with a, a B plus. Uh, but no, it still stands by that. It's purely just for um, on the field gradings. Nothing that's come out since. Cool. I guess you can move on to the two big head honchos. So which one's first? Uh, Head coach is up first. Um, So, you know, we're not going to beat around the bush or hold back any punches. We're going to face facts here. This team regressed massively this year versus the surprise 2022 season that we had. However, despite the internal issues with Wink, injuries and a few questionable game management decisions, it never turned into a true dumpster fire, to be fair. The players fought till the end and never showed that Dave had lost to the locker room, which, you know, let's be honest, must go as a credit towards Dave's, despite recent articles that have come out, and that's what I'm going to say on that one. Um, gradings across the board for um, Dave's were 
B from Dan, a B minus from Kev and myself, and also a B from Craig. So kind of unanimous grading here, all on the same kind of lines. Dan, I'll fire out this one over to you. Does the Pat Leonard report affect your grade of a B at all? Um, I mean, much the same as your answer of the week, really. No, because it's it's kind of off the field stuff. It's stuff behind the scenes. Um, after all, he is the head coach. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Um, but it does raise a few questions. And I think, you know, some of those questions, you know, I'd be interested to hear the answer. Um, you know, he came into this season off the back of winning coach of the year. So it was always going to be difficult for him to maintain that level that he achieved last year. Um, you know, he turned a four and 13 team in 2021 into a playoff contender last season. So, you know, the, the plaudits and, and praise he got last season were, were well, well deserved. Um, but, this season it was a lot more difficult, obviously in his second year. There's there is obviously some clear there's there's some dissension in the ranks or in the in the you know meeting rooms in the back, wherever it is. Um but he's put his foot down and he's got rid of those that he believed were causing the problems, which you would expect a head coach to do. Um at the end of the day, we were only eliminated from playoff contention in week fifteen, which after a two and eight start, isn't a bad effort. Um, and had it not been for those two close losses to the Bills and the Jets, we'd have finished eight and nine, and we'd have looked far more competitive over the second half of the season as well. So, you know, overall, I think a, a B was a, a solid effort from uh, from Coach Dable. Yep, I'll be and then inclined, Craig? inclined to agree there. Let's round things up then with uh, GM. What a roller coaster of a year for Joe Shane. Um, if we're incorporating everything since the beginning of the league year, so the second we've turned over just before, you know, the combine around free agency kind of area, um, we can kind of split Joe Shane's year into what we could probably say is good and juries out. I don't think we could really say bad, bad, but jury's out is probably still where it is. Um, he's going to be here for a third season. Whether teams are starting to get a bit more trigger happy on the GM position versus what they used to be and it being more looked at in, in kind of the head coach area remains to be seen. So if this could be, you know, the year that Joe Shane's on the, the hot seat, but, you know, looking at last year, signing Okereke, drafting Banks uh, and JMS, getting... Isaiah Simmons for a seventh round, getting a second round for Leo Williams, tying down Dex and Thomas to long-term contracts. It's all good stuff. But then you look at the other side with, you know, the jury's out on Joe Shane. He signed Jones to that contract. Um, hindsight is a wonderful thing. That contract is not great and it ain't looking great right now. Um, the punt return game was abysmal at the beginning of the season and we really had to go through some, some pain before we picked up Gunner. The Waller trade kind of hasn't worked out yet. Not not really to the level we wanted. Um, Evan Neal, obviously still struggling. That's a Joe Shane draft pick. Uh, Daniel Bellinger's kind of regression, as we've already touched on. And ignoring the need for better depth for O-line in the off-season. Um, how many times did we say, hey, are we going to get a swing tackle here? 
And yet we stuck with Pert, got rid of Tyree Phillips and then had to bring Phillips back from the Eagles. And, you know, there's just too much uncertainty at O-line at the moment, really. So if we have a look at the grades for Joe Shane, um, Dan A+, Kev A, Shane B-, minus me B+. Plus. Um, obviously, I've dropped to the Bs. So has Shane. So, Shane, do you want to give your reasoning for uh, the lowest of all four of the grades there? Yeah, so this will be quite controversial. I'm sure it will create a little bit of debate, both both amongst us and with uh, people that are listening or, or watching live. And like, you know, feel free to comment as I'm talking. If you want to say I'm talking a lot of shit, feel free to fire it at me. <laughs> um, I'm not sold on Joe Shane at the moment. I like him. I do like Joe. Talking Shane. a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but let's have a look. So, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, so. Let's have, you, you've got to grade his whole kind of tenure, really. With it. You can't just grade him on this season. But if you do want to just grade him on this season, we'll, we'll, we'll do that first. Like Craig said, the Daniel Jones contract, it looks bad. Let, let's not beat around the bush there. It looks bad right now. Now, luckily, got an, got an out or supposed out after two years. Um, so we're one year away from that. So, you know. The contract, I feel like he was stuck in a bit of a position with the with the Daniel Jones situation. We weren't in a position to draft one. There was no one in free agency. So his hands were tight, but he's still given that money. Um not, not re-signing John Feliciano. That's on Joe Shane. He, he went off to San Fran and he had a great, great season with San Fran. Paris Campbell contract. I'm not even going to mention Kev's uh, <laughs> Kev's predictions last year, but let's put it this way. Paris Campbell did not earn a second contract. The way the whole Saquon situation was handled, I think it could have been done better. Um, and then you get to the, the draft picks. Cordell Flott's not really panning out the way we want him to. Bear in mind, he was a third-round pick, 81 overall. Josh Azudu, even earlier, pick 67. There's question marks about him. Evan Neal, there's question marks about him. Now, I appreciate, like James has put Neil and Phillips for me, coaching issues. Fair enough. But Joel Shane's drafted them. Joel Shane hires the coaches. So if you're saying it's a coaching issue, surely it's a Joel Shane issue, in my opinion. Now, like I say, this isn't Joel Shane bashing. I, I like Joel Shane. He comes across as absolutely fantastic guy. Um, I think three of you met him in London and get him a fist bump, potentially, I want to say. But he seems like a really, really, you know, Good guy, um, but like you know, I mean, the the, the contract was given out to Glowinski last year, not great. Now he, he's done some good stuff, like Craig mentioned that the, the trade, the, the trade that he got for Kadarius Tony, he got something where people thought he'd get nothing. I think when it comes to trading, I can't knock him. Like I'd have to, I'd probably have to give his great his trading and I maybe even an A plus because he wanted Banks, he went up and got him. A lot of criticism at the time for that, but as far as I'm concerned, if you want your guy, you go and get your guy. Simple as, rather than hoping he falls to you, you miss out on him, and then you, you're doing a dive get on them, where all of a sudden you're drafting a guy like Canarius Tony after you've tried him back and you're panicking. So you know when um, when, when it comes to like the trading, the, the the Tony trade spot on, the Waller trade was good, but he just hasn't panned it the way that we want it to. Um, you're saying you like him despite all these points. He's waffle. Take him no, down. Take him down. Take him down, Shane. Take Steve down. <laughs> I like him as a person. Doesn't mean I like the job that he's fully doing at the moment. There is room for improvement. Anyone who thinks there is no room for improvement, 
everyone's always got somewhere that can improve. Even Joel Shane will admit that himself. So there is room for improvement. Just when you tie in free agent signings, contracts that have been given out, and the way the draft guys are turning out at the moment, along with some of the coaching hirings, is why I landed at a B minus. I think Shane needs his own theme music for a rant because they're just they're so that good. Even a rant. <laughs> a rant. I think we should make I think we should make this a weekly section, Shane's rant. <laughs> I mean it's a good way to lose viewers, I'll give you that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um I mean you make some valid points there, Shane. I'm not gonna lie. You make some really valid points there. Um I went for A plus because in Shane we trust. There we go. Okay. Uh, all right. Any other? That's all. That's our gradings for uh, the 2023 season done. Let us know if you agree with them, disagree with them. Um, let us know in the comments. Let us know um, on our socials, whatever you think, uh, whether you think we're right or wrong. Um, we're so going to move on to any. Oh, we've we got have, a question, haven't we, Craig? Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we do have one. So I just want to bring this back up. So specialists B, B plus, C plus, B minus. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Considering most of the fan base wanted T Mac gone, the grades seem quite positive. Kev, do you want to address that? Well, yeah, I mean, like you know, again, it was more specifically on um, how Gano, like what is Gano in, in like an overall thing. He was very unlucky with injuries, um, and you know, but he is one of the top kickers in the league. Um, I think the kickers that came in did good considering the situation um and um i think as we talked about the scottish hammer you know jimmy gillen has really progressed and really started to show that you know like he can be a top top punch in this league and ojeski came in and steadied the ship it looked awful to begin with like um but i think thomas mcgahee's time was just up um we, special teams was a weakness it was and we don't need it to be a big big positive or a big big strength we just needed not to harm us, and it was hurting us like quite badly for for a few years. Um, so it was more of a case of like you know uh, looking at the individual people themselves and how how we sort of like judge them than um, than the, the the sort of special teams as a whole and McGehee especially. Cool. Yeah. Sorry, Dan. I'll, I'll I'll second that. I think it was just time for him to go. Um, overall special teams play over the last few years hasn't been great, so it was his time to go and bring someone fresh in. Simples. Um, right, any other giant business? Kev, uh, what's going on with defensive coordinator? Yeah, so get, well, as we know, as we talked earlier on, you know, Wink's gone um, and a big cloud of smoke and a big sort of hoo-ha and everything that's gone on. Um, you know, so we have to move on now. We have to try and get in a new defensive coordinator. Um, and um, I mean, since 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 Wink has gone, um, we have uh, the Giants have had interviews with the Ravens secondary coach Denard Wilson, the Titans defensive coordinator Shane Bowen, uh, and also in house uh, Giants defensive backs coach Jerome Henderson. Um, they've also requested permission to speak to LA Chargers DC Derek Ansley uh, and Miami Dolphins linebacker coach um, Anthony Camp Campanile. Um, so it was interesting to see sort of where they go now. As you can see, the dominoes are starting to fall as we had just had the breaking news um, uh, with, with, with the running backs coach and the play, player personnel. Um, and like, um, as far as I know now, I think Wink is believed to be interviewing with the Jacksonville Jaguars for their defensive coordinator position. 
Um, so it will be interesting to see sort of where they go. I mean, um, the Raven Secretary Coach now Wilson is an interesting one, um, especially because we're interviewing um, uh, Jerome Henderson in house. Now, if you're Jerome Henderson, is highly thought of as well. Jerome Henderson is, is a very, very good coach. Um, it would be interesting to see, though, if they decide to go with a defensive back uh, coach from another team um, instead of, like, you know, J Jerome Henderson in-house. Um, so I don't know who the favourite is at the moment. I, I don't really know what the situation is. Um, one thing I will say, though, is there's no real big hitters at the moment. I mean, um, there's no one really that jumps off the page to you and go, you know that you know that that would that would be a home run higher, so it's kind of like watch this space. I think they'll do the due diligence, and we will see a few more names crop up over the next few days. Um, but it's, it's one of those cases of just you know watch this space. Uh, yeah, I think removing Wink as good as he was over the last two years, I think was a change that was definitely needed. Obviously, after everything that seems to have gone on um, over the you know last few months, really. Um, Shane and Dabes, they can now bring in a fresh defensive mind, hopefully help improve our edge rushes, like I said earlier as well, um, which is a position obviously we struggled with during this season. Um, Craig, there's plenty of other staff openings after Black Monday. What do we know about those? Uh, yes. So outside of the week news, there has been a hiring as the Giants announced that Carmen Brachillo, who we had spoken about last week, uh, is the new Giants uh, offensive line coach. Uh, the Raiders only allowed 40 sacks this past season, which is under half of the 85 that the Giants did and repeatedly overachieved, despite the fact that their line had two undrafted free agents on it. So that bodes well. Uh, I can skip my notes about the running back job because, as we know, that's already been taken. Uh, just quickly, while we were talking about Aaron Wellman, who, as we said, has been... Um, signed as Executive Director of Player Performance. Uh, Shane has uh, given me a bit of information on this. Uh, it's the second stint with the Giants for Wellman, who's just completed his fourth season as Indiana's Senior Assistant Athletic Director for Football Performance. That's a job title and a half. Um, before, prior to his time with the Hoosiers, he did spend four years with the G-Men as strength and conditioning coach. Uh, on the special teams coordinator side, um, we have uh, interviewed 49ers assistant special team coach Matt Harper and the Giants have also earmarked Carlos Polk uh, as a special team as a special teams uh, coordinator potentially to come in for an interview. He is a special teams assistant with the Bears. They have also tried to interview the Falcons Marquise Williams and the Chargers Ryan Ficken, but both requests have been rejected. And finally, Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka has completed his interview with the Titans for their head coach job after Vrabel's departure. He also has an interview scheduled with the Seahawks, which should come in the coming days. Nice. Um, lots going on. I like the hiring of Brasillo. I think it's, uh, um, he seems like he knows how to get the best out of an experienced line. So maybe it's uh, the change in the fresh start Evan Neal needs. Who knows? Um, and Joel Thomas as well. He worked with experienced running backs. I like that signing. Um, you know, Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara, just named two of them that he's worked with. I think that's a solid um, pickup as well. Um, all right, Shane, it's award season. Which Giants have won or gotten some votes over the last couple of weeks of the season? 
So just just clarify forward to this then. So Richillo overachieved despite two undrafted free agents on the lines. This mean we're not going to be drafting O line. Is that what you're telling me? I just, well, I just want to make sure we're on the same page here. Quite possibly. Um, Quite possibly. <laughs> so yeah, um in terms of awards, obviously, you know, it was a, a poor season for the Giants overall, but you know, some players have been recognized. Um so the final in-season award was awarded to Jamie Gillen for his Week 18 performance against the Eagles. He got the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Uh, if your memory's as good as what Marnie's because I'm one of the nice young ones, um, you'll recall that we had back-to-back. <laughs> the looks aren't getting here. <laughs> I felt like an unnecessary dig. <laughs> well, you, you, you've all had your three digs about O-line guru, so this is my turn back, all right? Fair, 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 fair. Um, yeah, obviously, Gunner won it in week 17 after his punt return touchdown. So, you know, Jamie Gillen also got it in week 18. In regards to season awards, <clears throat> so Dexter Lawrence, um, he's had a few more added to his ever-growing resume. So on the 10th of January, he was voted into the NFL PA All-Pro team by his fellow players. On the 12th of January, he was voted to his second straight All-Pro second team. AP second team All-Pro, sorry. Um, Probably should have been first, but we, you know, we, we're not going to get into that too much. Otherwise, I think we'll be here for a while again. Um, and on the 13th, he added a third, which was his inclusion into the PFF 2023 All-Pro team. The one player who did miss out on the honours was Bobby Akereke. He failed to make any All-Pro lists. Um, I think this also come to Bobby's attention as he did send out a tweet with a Michael Jordan. And I took that personally screenshot with a caption saying back to work next season. Um, so in a way, I'm kind of glad he didn't get any awards because hopefully we get to see a better um, Bobby Akerakay next year. And if we do see a better Bobby Akerakay, then we're in for some linebacker play next year. Um, so, Kev, I'll come to you first. Do you think Bobby deserved more credit for the season he's had? Oh, 100%. Like, you know, I sort of, in my little spiel earlier on, I was like talking and by them picking him up. Um but yeah, I just think he's been overlooked. Uh, you know, there are good players out there, good players mid the list. Um, but I just think the season he had coming in, like I said, off free agency, with a brand new team, took a little bit of time to get going and to post those type of numbers and to lead the defence the way he led it. Um, I just think there should have been a bit more recognition for him. Quite simply, yes. Should have got more. I mean, what more can you do? Than be, I think it was three tackles shy of a Giants all-time record, and not get any any accolades at all. Yes, should have got some votes. End of end of absolute baller this season. So hopefully he gets better next year. Love that. All right, moving on to the final part of this evening, our Giant Award nominees. Um, Next week brings the second annual Big Blue UK and Ireland end of season awards. Um, will Dexter Lawrence sweep up this season like he did last? Will it be the final? What will be the the game of the year? Don't forget our new award for twenty twenty three as well. Our what the Feagles of the year award. These awards are voted on by you, the viewers and the listeners, and we'll tell you how you can do that once we've revealed all the nominees. Producer Craig, let's get this ball rolling. Starting off with. The most valuable giant award. Uh, nominees are Bobby Akereke, Dexter Lawrence, Andrew Thomas, 
Xavier McKinney. Ooh, two ever presence there. Offensive player of the year, Darius Slayton, Andrew Thomas, Wondell Robinson, Saquon Barkley. Interesting, interesting. Uh, defensive player of the year, Dexter Lawrence. Oh no, Bobby Okereke first. Dexter Lawrence. Kayvon Thibodeau. Xavier McKinney. Special Teams Player of the Year. Casey Kreiter. Our mate. Gunnar Olszewski. Scottish Hammer, Jamie Gillen. And Carter Coughlin. Uh, rookie of the Year. Big Man JMS, John Michael Schmitz. Tay Banks, closed on Sundays. Jalen Hyatt. Tommy Cutlets. Tommy DeVito. Uh, best free agent signing. Rakeem Nunez Roches, aka Nacho. Bobby Okereke. A. Sean Robinson. Garnet Olszewski. Disappointing player of the year. There could have been many. Daniel Jones. Darren Waller. Ooh, controversial. Evan Neal. Adoree Jackson. That's probably going to be a tough one. Not going to lie. Uh, underrated player of the year. Jason Pinnock. Michael McFadden. Tay Banks. And big play Darnay Holmes. On to game of the year. There wasn't many to choose from. Uh, week two, come back against the Cardinals. Week 11, against the Washington Commanders with a pick six by Isaiah Simmons. Week 14, the Packers beat Tommy Clutchlets. And then lastly, week 18, the Eagles getting their wing clipped and going into the postseason. Uh, player of the year. Uh, the pick six by Jason Pinnock against the Dolphins. Uh, we've got Tara Taylor to Darius Slayton for that uh, 69-yard touchdown against the Eagles. Uh, Isaiah Simmons with a game-sealing pick six against the Washington Commanders. And then, of course, that 94-yard punt return by Gunnar Olszewski against the Rams. Um, and then last, but not by no means least, our newest award of the seat this year, uh, the What the Feagles of the Year nominees. First up, we have week 16, I know, week one, sorry, against the Cowboys, the field goal block and the return touchdown. Kind of started the season off pretty badly, right? So coming up next, we've got week 11 against the Jets, minus nine passing yards as Tommy No throws. Like that. Uh, week 16 against the Eagles, the refs screw the Giants. Wasn't the first time in the season either. And last but not least, week 17 against the Rams, Tyrod Taylor's two-point attempt. Ooh, some uh, some good awards there, some good categories. Um, what do you think is going to be the closest, Shane? Um, There's kind of a couple. It's probably going to be disappointing player of the year or the what the Feagles of the year. I think one of them too. 
Nice. Uh, Craig, what do you reckon is going to be closest? Uh, I don't know. I think I think player of the year. I think there's some really good plays in there, despite the fact of how bad it was. I think um, there's two in there, especially that very very difficult to go through. Um, Steve's also said, I, "How did we cut it down to only four for what the Feagles? Um, very difficult. Very very difficult. Very very difficult. There could have been lots. Um, Kev, which one's closest to you? Which one's tightest? I think um, player of the year would be quite tight. Um... Also, rookie of the year would be interesting. Uh, play of the year as well. I think there's a few of them. A few of them are quite obvious. There seems to be obvious winners. Uh, won't lead anyone in any way. Um, <laughs> but there is a few there that will be interesting. I'm really, really interested to see some of the some of the votes from listeners. Yeah, personally, I think disappointing. I said disappointing player of the year is going to be a, a tough one because there's some big names in there. And they all were very disappointing this season. I say all of them. Three out of four were pretty disappointing. So that's going to be quite a tight one. Um, yeah, there's the nominees to the awards. Uh, end of season awards ceremony coming next week. Uh, how can the viewers vote? Uh, or how can the viewers and listeners vote on that, Craig? Uh, yeah, so nice and simple. Tomorrow morning we will put out a Twitter poll, which will be multiple back-to-back uh, posts, so make sure you go through the entirety and vote on that. For anybody who is part of the Facebook group or the Discord, there will be a Google Forms for you guys. Now bear in mind that if you want a specific person to win, uh, the Twitter poll you can vote on once and the Google Forms you can do as many times as you want, just like the Pro Bowl. So, uh, <laughs> you know, fill your boots. Nice. Um Hopefully we don't see so many landslide victories because people voted a hundred times using the Google Forms. But if you want to vote that many times, feel free. It's up to you. Um, how long are they going to be up for, Craig? Uh, they will be up until Wednesday morning-ish and then they will be revealed next Thursday on our live show. Cool. So you will have a whole seven days to get your votes in. It's a nice long period of time. Get your votes in. Um, it'll be all over our socials over the coming week. So we look forward to the awards ceremony next week. Um, but unfortunately, until then, that is all we've got time for. Um, we'll be back next Thursday for those awards ceremonies. Um, we'll also bring you the latest news of any personnel changes as uh, the divisional round of the playoffs comes around this weekend as well. So we've got that to look forward to. Um, anything else to add before we go, guys? It's a good episode as always. Thanks to everyone who's been uh, active in the comments. We always, always do appreciate it. Uh, look forward to next week and obviously kind of hopefully it'll be the last that's mentioned of this past season. Um, uh, at least me and Kev definitely can put both eyes on the uh, draft. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, the, the season's in the bag for us now. You know, we've got some playoffs to watch, Super Bowl to come up. But then we start, you know, the Senior Bowls in February. Um the end of February, you have the see, um, the combine and stuff like that. Uh, and we're going to have lots of content on here. We're going to have some guests as well. Um, there's lots of things to look forward to. And hopefully, uh, me and Sheen will be able to bring some light, bring to light some players that be interesting for the Giants to look at um, in this upcoming draft. So, uh, a free agency as well. Don't forget, you know, we're going to add some players of free agency. Uh, try and keep some of our own. Try and bring some new players in. Uh, so, stick with us. And, uh, you know, it is a good time of year for us as Giants fans. Put last season behind us and look forward. 
yeah, that's what it comes down to, doesn't it? You know, not, um, next week will be a case of just catching up on any news and having a look at, at those um, award winners. I'm sure they will be delighted to, to get the uh, Big Blue UK and Ireland trophy. Um, and Absolutely. then, yeah, after, after that, we close the book. Uh, we don't have to talk about this season in as much depth. We'll, we'll obviously touch on it when we're talking about certain things um, as we look forward. But, yeah, we can kind of put to bed what's essentially been a tough one. Um, I was having a think the, um, the other day about last year's off-season and we spoke to Dan Duggan and we were speaking to him about how seasons go and he was saying, you know, it's nice to cover a, a winning season rather than a losing season. Um, it'd be quite interesting to see what his um, opinion uh, of the Giants is now. Now we've gone through what we have. Um, and before we kind of round things out, uh, we'll throw this one to Shane first and then to Kev. Um, Steve has said, is there anywhere in particular you guys are watching draft tape or is it just YouTube? So, Shane, do you want to take that one first? Yeah, so for me, I don't know, look, Kev might just something completely different to me, but um, when I'm watching college ball in the season, I'll make notes of players that particularly stand out whilst I'm watching games. Maybe they'll make a play that I think, OK, I need to remember that name. And I was going through that list today and there's there's quite there's about three, three or four players who are like, oh, shit, yeah, I remember making a note of him. So I, I need to watch the tape on them. And then what I'll do is it will be going to YouTube. I try, I've, I've explained it to, um, I think it might have been Craig last week, I try to avoid highlights tapes because Steve, as you very well know, uh, someone like Marcus Rosenberg looked absolutely amazing on YouTube. You guys are not going to know who the fuck I'm on about. Steve will know. <laughs> but the the, 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 um, the example I'm making there is anybody can look great on um, highlights reel. My field goal could look amazing on a highlights reel. Doesn't mean I'm any good at field goals. Um, so what I try to do is I try to avoid highlight tapes and I'll maybe try and watch, say, um, there's accounts out there. I'll try and link them in the future. But where they'll say, I'm just going to use um, Olu Fashanu. Um, they might have all his snaps he made against Ohio State. And what they'll do is they'll circle Olu before the snap so you know exactly who you're watching. And then they show every single snap that player played against that team. Let me get started on Churchill McDonald. Dan <laughs> Craig and Kevin like, what is going on here? Who are these people? Ronald McDonald, where's he come from? Um, well, I digress there slightly, sorry. So, yeah, then I might then look at highlight tapes to see, okay, what have they put on the field? What, like, what I try to do is avoid highlight tapes because anyone can look great on highlights. And then it's going on reliable scouting reports from people like Mel Kuyper, Dane Brugler, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, just to name a few. Yeah, very similar to that now. Um, I think um, there's some good YouTube accounts out there that you can also say, for example, pull up, um, I don't know, Tennessee's offense against different teams. And in the in the notes section, it will list the players and numbers. So, um, so you can watch every single offensive snap and then just, you know, pick pick a player like who is eligible that you're going through your list and then watch them on every single snap as opposed to, like Shane says, looking at like highlights because you know you pick your best plays through highlights. You know I mean, whereas um, instead of watching a full game, as in like offense, defense, offense, defense, you can find film where it's just the offense going against um, a team's defense. So you see all the offensive snaps. So if you're watching the right receiver, you know you'll be able to watch number eighty-seven constantly. You know every snap, whether he's blocking in the run game or whether he's you know the 
running a, a route that necessarily doesn't mean the ball's going to him, um, but you're able to watch these type type of plays. And the same with defense as well. You can pick out a specific team's defense going against other teams' offenses, so you're able to continuously watch that player instead of watching a game is good, but they're, you know they're on the field, off the field, on the field, off the field. It's a little bit more tricky. Just one other thing, just following on from what Kev say, said there. <clears throat> Excuse me. So something that's really highly recommended by me at least, which doesn't say a lot. But if you're watching Drake May Tay, watch Drake May. But remember, Tez Walker's declaring for the draft who's his wide receiver. So watch the play of Drake May, but then look for number nine and see what number nine's doing. And let's say it's against Penn State. They didn't play each other, but just for an example. You can also watch Chop Robinson. So whilst you if you are watching highlights, have a look who the highlights against and have a look to see if there's any players on that team that are worth keeping an eye on for as well, as well as any other teammates that might have had that are coming out in the draft this year. There you go. Steve, hope the uh hope the tips work for you. If not, tune into this podcast because uh you know Kevin Shane will fill you in all the details. And I'm guessing is it Marcus Rosenberg and Sure, Jill McDonald. I'm guessing they're West Brom or ex-West Brom players. Yeah. Yeah, correct. There they go. Had to be Rene, didn't it? Um, nice. Oh yeah. Um, or if you if you me, just lean on Shane and Kevin. They'll tell you all the answers. <laughs> well, not be the right answers, but you'll get answers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's all right. It's all right. Um, cool. Uh, yeah, to get obviously the latest updates from us, get notified of when we go live. Um, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel if you don't already. Hit the bell as well so get all those updates. And if you like this or any of our videos, uh, give us a big thumbs up. Give it a nice little share as well. And feel free to give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice. And uh, we appreciate all the love that we get. Uh, my thanks as ever go to Kev, to Shane and to producer Craig for joining me. And to you, the viewers and listeners, for tuning in. In the words of Prick Seriani, see ya! We're signing off. Until next time, then.